the message, the title of which is Add On to Overflowing, that the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter, the first chapter, and verses 5 through 8, last week we did verses uh, 1 through 4-ish, and we're gonna, I'm going to read those again and highlight some of the parts that pertain to verses 5 through 8. So it will help us understand a little bit. Um, so, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but last week, like I said, we talked about verses 1 through 4 with a focus on 3 and 4. And let me read those verses 1 through 4 to point out a few things that I have highlighted over here so I can highlight them in your mind or on the screen uh, as to the, the, the things that, that we will see again-ish in verses 5 through 8 for a better understanding and comprehension of what Peter is talking about. Because Peter is not writing, nor is Paul, nor is anybody else, is not writing loose one sees as scriptures. There is a context, and there is a context of maybe two or three or four scriptures or more. Uh, such as what we saw in verses 1 through 4, that there was a context over there. And the context is, is the same-ish, except it brings a different emphasis uh, in verses 5 through 8. We'll, we'll get to that. Let me read to you verses 1 through 4 and, 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 and give you the, the emphasis. <clears throat> it is Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, who writes, to those who have obtained like precious faith. So he's writing to Christian folk, those who have obtained like precious faith with us, and of course, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that is always, that's how you get uh, uh, in a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied in or through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The knowledge of God and our Jesus our Lord. The knowledge of God and Jesus Christ is a standard thing in the New Testament because so much of our understanding and with that our walk uh, depends on our knowledge of Him uh, in, in every way. Not only in the way of what the Scripture has to say, but also in the way of intimacy also in the way of spending time with him to get to know his heart, um, and so on and so forth. So the knowledge of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us, has given to us, so this was a gift to us. This is what God did for us. Given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we have talked about that last week. Through the knowledge of Him, here are the words again, knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. And the word virtue I have underlined because I want you, that is coming back later on. And I'll explain that to you. Verse 4, by which have been given to us, here you have that given to us again, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Last week, we had an we, we dealt with those verses, but we had an emphasis on the escape, uh, that we have an escape of the, the corruption that can befall us, 
because of the lust that is in the world and, and in which we often participate. So, so the underlying things, I'm going to go them, through them uh, uh, separately. Verse 1, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. In verse 5, we're going to see that Peter is saying, add to your faith such and such. So he is assuming that we already have the faith. And so it is, because we do, because we are followers of Jesus Christ, and we have obtained like faith as uh, uh, like Peter and, and company, and so on and so forth. So that is one emphasis that I want to give you. Verse 2, the knowledge of God and, our, uh, and Jesus our Lord. Uh, how often have we come across those words of knowledge of Him? We've talked about that in, in these passages, one and, and these verses, 1 through 8, we come across that five times about the knowledge of God. Uh, so it comes in two different words. One is gnosis, that is a, sort of like a general knowledge. And the other one is epigenosis, that speaks about an intimate uh, knowledge of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, and then we know, we talked, we talked also about the... Um, the the the, the 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 great desire of the apostle paul to know him and the power of the resurrection and so on and so forth the fellowship of his suffering and so on and so forth but to know him what a big deal it is to know him uh, i want i am praying i want to say every night and usually in the middle of the night but i, I won't i don't want to exaggerate so i won't say every night but just about every night I pray, Lord, that I may know you more in a deeper way, not only by understanding Scripture more, but, Lord, that in, in my relationship to you, I get to know your heartbeat. If somebody would make a claim, for example, uh, and he, he brings some things to bear, and, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, huh, that, that I can't put my, my finger on it, but that doesn't sound true to the scriptures. I don't know why exactly. That, that is because I have gotten to know Jesus better and I know his heartbeat. And I, I can discern some things even though I don't know exactly what it is. But there is discernment because I know his heartbeat. Um, uh, I, I have a close friend. And if somebody would say to me that he said some things about me, I wouldn't believe them. Because I know my friend and I know his heartbeat. So that, that is sort of what I'm, what I'm talking about over here, about the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So there's, there's, it, it is different. It's broader than just the scriptures. It is broader than just praying to him. It is spending time with him and getting to know him and not uh, just about him. Verses 3 and 4. We talked about that, but it's coming back in the scriptures over here. So I want to bring it to your attention one more time. Verses 3 and 4 speaks about giving unto us what God has done and provided for our lives. And, and, and what he's talking about in that particular context is all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is what God has done for us. So I want to distinguish that from what God is asking us to do in verses 5 through 8. So what he has done for us, what he has done uh, to, to, to the, to the well-being of us as kingdom people, as his children, uh, that we might have victory and life, uh, the God kind of life, that we might have godliness, 
that you have promises, that you have an escape, that you have the divine nature and these type of things. That's what he has done for us. We couldn't do anything for it. We couldn't work for it. We couldn't pay for it. Nothing. He has given it unto us. That is the definition of given. So, um, and so now in 5 through 8, he gives us a list of things through Peter of things that we get to do, that we get to apply the things that he has already provided for us because we couldn't do it on our own, but that he wants obedience for. Now the picture of obedience comes there for us to walk in obedience because I tell you, my brothers and sisters, um, sometimes people ask you to pray for this and pray for that. I say, well, God has already given you that. Now, how about your obedience? Uh, um, let me just give an example. Um, if, if I would ask somebody, hey, brother, uh, pray for me that I would have love for my wife. No, God has already provided that in my heart, love for my wife. Now, if, if I'm going to obey, then I'm walking in that love in a way so that it, it, it demonstrates and exhibits and shows love. <laughs> hey, hey, we pray about a lot of things like we want God to put us on automatic pilot. No, no, no. God wants us sometimes, often, to obey. Okay? So that type of thing. And then verse 4, we are partakers of His divine nature. We are partakers of His divine nature. And on that basis, God is asking us to make some additions to our faith. That is coming up in 5 through 8. We're going to talk about them in just a second. That he, is, he has given us his divine nature. And on that basis of his divine nature. That he's already given to us. Okay, right? Right? So he's given us the divine nature. So he says, I have given you some things that now I want you to walk into. And add to your life so that you can have an overflowing life. A life of overflow. I have, I have a little wristband over here that says here, live the life of overflow. I got lots of them. If you're interested, give me a call. I mail you one or I drop one off or whatever, because I want to be reminded that God has for me a life of overflow and want to live it. There we go. So today, that was sort of like last week. So today we are going to talk about 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 8, in which God is uh, 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 I want to point out a couple of things that God is doing there for us. He's saying, hey, listen, I have done my part. Now I want you to do your part. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge, and so on and so forth. We'll explain that. We'll talk about that. And secondly, I want you to know, and I want many Christians to know, that this Christian walk is a journey. That God says, add this, to add that, to add that. And if you have them in, in an increasing way, you see, you see the journey there? Add, 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 add. And if you add it in an in in increasing way, if you have it in an increasing way, or you might say, since you have it in an increasing way, then you won't be barren or unfruitful and so on and so forth. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in, in just a little bit. So we see that there is a... There is a journey here. Um, that is why it is important, brothers and sisters, that uh, we are gracious with 
those who are maybe a little bit younger in the faith. So, and this is important because sometimes when we have grown a little bit in the faith and we do a little bit better, sometimes we judge the ones that are not. So I, I'm saying to you, don't bark at those who are here today where you were yesterday. Okay? Be gracious with them uh, because you were there yesterday. Don't bark at them. Don't, don't scold them. Don't just visit, encourage, talk. There is a, there is a time for scolding, uh, but just be sure that you are the one that is supposed to scold and, and, and not somebody else. So a journey. Uh, I'll give you a, a verse, Philippians 1, 6, that says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who started a good work in you will complete it or perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. So you see, here you have, again, that journey idea. So don't be sad. Don't be discouraged just because you are not at a point where somebody else is who has been walking with the Lord 10 years longer than you have. So... Um, be an apple in June is just as pleasing to the farmer as an apple in October. The apple in June will get there. <laughs> All right. The farmer will see to it. God will see to it that you get there if you just yield your life to him. Yes. So, um, and then we start now with verse five that starts with this. And besides this, the King James says. The New King James says, uh, 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 for, for this cause. The NIV says, for this very reason. So let's, let's look at what, what the cause, what the reason is. The King James, the regular King James Version is not the best uh, translation that says, and besides this, because it says, okay, besides this, do this. No, no, no. It, says, it has more the idea of, I'm giving you the reason why you should be doing this. I'm not just giving you a command. I'm just just giving you a, a mandate. I'm just giving you a reason even why I want you to do this. And he says, for this very reason, for the very reason that God has made you a partaker of his divine nature. For that very reason, he says, add uh, to your uh, add to your faith virtue. So we have already talked about the idea that um, that, that, that faith is, has already been established, so to speak. The, the faith thing we already have exhibited when we became uh, uh, fellow followers with Peter, uh, when we have obtained like faith with Peter and company. So the faith is taken care of. But the faith that he's speaking of over here is... Not just what people call saving faith. So when you trusted Jesus to save you, you exercised faith and you were saved by him. Yes? And then now you have become one of his. So, and you think, I, 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 I got it made, baby. I got it made. No, 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 no. You just started. That was just the beginning. You were just born. Or if you want to say reborn, that was the second birth. The, the, the spiritual birth, not the natural birth, the spiritual birth. So you are a, a baby and you're starting fresh with a clean slate. But he doesn't want you to stay a baby. He wants you to grow. 
So he wants the church to feed you. And then you have come to a place where you are, are walking and walking. And he, what he wants you to do is not just thinking back of your saving faith. <laughs> I got saved and such and such. Great testimony. Wonderful. But he wants you to have more testimony as to how you walk in that faith every day. How it, what shows up when you're walking by faith with God, what does it look like? That is the faith that he's talking about. So it's not just a saving faith. It is also your general faith in which you're walking and showing that you truly are one of his. So he says, add to your faith. You find that in scripture, so many words mean a little bit more than we give them credit for. Add. Add. So it is not just adding two plus one equals three. It is an adding, an addition that speaks of a generosity, a generous portion that you, that you, you're adding. You're not just adding uh, uh, as little as you can. Unfortunately, that is so often the case with, with, with Christians. We, either by misunderstanding or by desire, I don't know it. Uh, for every individual. I've noticed in, 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 in many instances that maybe it was the desire. Maybe they didn't think they have the power, but God is giving you the, the desire and the power. Now he wants you obedience. Um, but minimum. Sometimes we understand, misunderstand. Uh, let me just give you a couple of examples. Um, sometimes we think that hus concerning husband and wife, that God has given us the scriptures so that husband and wife can get along. My dear brothers and sisters, that is, let me enlighten you just a little bit. That is the minimum. Sometimes we're not even reaching the minimum. <laughs> we can't get along. I'm not talking about an incidental situation here and there, uh, uh, once every three months or, or, or whatever. I'm talking about, you know, sometimes you just simply don't get along. Remember, I'm a pastor, so I'm, I counsel a lot of folks, and this is what we do, marriage seminars, this is what the experience is. But, but, but God didn't have in mind for just husband and wife to get along. That was the minimum. <laughs> and sometimes we're not reaching the minimum. What God has in mind is that husband and wife have such a walk together that there's a testimony and a witness of the love of Christ for his church in this couple that you see walking in front of you over there. He wants a jubilant, victorious, happy uh, marriage that testifies of the love of Christ for his church. Sometimes people, I'll give you a second example. Sometimes people think, uh, you know, when it comes to tithing, they're tithing and they think, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. They think they, they have now reached the pinnacle. They now have reached the maximum. No. Tithing is the minimum. They did tithing more than we do under the law in the Old Testament. So, but we're under grace. So how much should we give more than the tithe? I'm, I'm not asking for money. I'm just making the point that sometimes we settle for the minimum. And we, we just simply do. Unfortunately. But here the word add means an, an overflowing with all lavishness and abundance, an overflowing. Add 
And it has also the idea when it when it talks about the diligence, uh, and with, with, with diligence, the word diligence over there has the idea of um, has the idea of a great effort, uh, endeavoring. We find that same word uh, spaudazo or spaude. Spaude is the noun, spaudazo is the verb. Um, uh, we find that in endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace in Ephesians 4.3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. It's not a <laughs> so so la 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 an effort of 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 uh, maintaining and uh, the, the 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 unity of the spirit. Uh, Paul is asking us there for a great effort to to maintain to uh, help in the unity of of this to keep it. The King James says the unity of the spirit. The same kind of word that he wants here a great effort uh, that we should uh, generously add to our faith virtue. So then um, now. Let's talk about that. So that is the first edition. There are seven editions to, to this list. So we have the faith that is already set. And he says, you know, now add to your faith this and this and this and this. Let me say one more thing in this scenario. It is when we're adding, it is not like we're adding a block on top of a block, a block, a block, a block. It is it's not that. It is that one propels and develops the other and it's added in the mix. And then they propel and, 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 and work together to develop another. And that is in the mix. And so on and so forth. So there's not, you have established this and you've come to a place where now you have established this and then you're adding this. No, no, no. This is developing. The, the faith is developing. So it's adding and developing virtue. Faith and virtue are developing and they're compelling and making happen and bringing into existence the idea of knowledge and so on and so forth. So there are seven that we're going to add uh, to, to faith. Uh, that is virtue or goodness, knowledge, uh, self-control or some other terms they say temperance, uh, patience or perseverance, godliness, brotherly love, and then love, agape love. So we'll talk about those uh, here real quick. Uh, I'm trying to make it a little bit short because I'm a little bit long-winded usually, but um, virtue. We talk add to your faith virtue. Now remember, that was one of the words that I highlighted in verse 3 there, that it says that we are called to the knowledge of Him, uh, 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 to the knowledge of Him who called us by uh, glory and virtue called us by glory and virtue that virtue that goodness that we were called by um, some translations say even that we were called to they're both true as we find out here that we are going to add virtue so uh, in this scenario we are called to virtue then we were called by virtue we saw the goodness of the Lord and it was a calling to us, a drawing to us. It compelled us to go to Jesus for the goodness of the Lord. How, how, how good is he that I should not go with him? Of course I'm going with him. 
When I came to a conclusion of how good he was, there was no looking back in my life when I came to Jesus. I just ran for him and never looked back. Never looked back. I never want to go back to where I was. Never. His goodness has compelled me to come to him. Now, that goodness that he has shown me, he wants and is developing in me, he wants to, me to add it to my faith so that in my walk as one who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this virtue, this goodness would show up. Ooh, excuse me. I'm getting a little excited about this. All right. And then he says, secondly, add to virtue, to your virtue, knowledge. This word knowledge is the word gnosis. So sort of like a general knowledge. He says, add to it. Keep developing. He says, don't be satisfied with what you know about Jesus and about the scriptures and about the ways of God. He says, add more knowledge to it because the knowledge will compel you. Let me just, before I say that, let me just give you an example. Um, there is an old, old song that goes like this. To know, know, know him is to love, love, love him. Okay. <laughs> now, that is true of Jesus. That is not true of me. If you know me better, you may not love me anymore. <laughs> you may love me less. I hope not. But, you know, uh, uh, when you get to know somebody or a situation, uh, sometimes, huh, you were not expecting that from this person or whatever. But when you know Jesus more, you will love him more. So he says, add to your virtue knowledge, uh, uh, just in general knowledge, all about the scriptures, about me and about God and the ways of God and so on and so forth. Thirdly, he says, add to your knowledge, self-control or temperance. <sighs> I find that word a little funny, a little strange word. Self-control. The, the word self over there messes it up for me. It, it is self-control only to the extent that we put ourselves to the disposal under the influence, under the power of the Holy Spirit so that He can control our lives. And He gives us the impulse and the input as to how to walk this thing. He is still requiring from us the obedience to do it, right? Uh, okay, let me give you an example. He, the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we could ever uh, develop. The Holy Spirit develops that. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, and so on and so forth. But though He has put love in our heart, we still have to walk that out in obedience. Though He says to me, don't do such and such, I still have to obey not to do it. He's given me the impulse. He's given me the conviction. He's given me the guidance. He gave me the word. He gave me the directions. I still gotta don't do it. See, that is so often the situation with us Christians. We, we just want to be an automatic pilot. We just want God to just use us, walk us like a puppet and do it for us. Nah, -uh. he's, he, he's not that way. He will do everything that we need. And then we still have to walk it out. And even in our walk, he'll give us the power to do it. But get moving. Don't keep sitting. 
and like she tells you to sit down. So self-control. So I'm thinking, hey, listen, when I put myself under the Holy Spirit, I have self-control. <laughs> so the control of the Spirit over me gives me self-control. Fourthly, add to self-control. Uh, like I said earlier, it is, it is not block on top of block. It is more like add in your self-control add in your virtue, add in your faith, the next step. So uh, add in your self-control, patience. Here's where I like to spend a little bit of time uh, because the word patience over here is such a special word to me. Uh, it is special because, uh, not because is the wrong word to say, but that's one of the reasons why it is special to me. Uh, one of my favorite brothers in the church, he is a few years older than I am, uh, and a whole lot wiser than I am. Uh, I, I enjoy his wisdom and his encouragement and his words because he is so wise and can, and can give me feeding uh, to, to walk in a better way. He's also the encourager that, that says to me, uh, oh, pastor, there was some good beef on that bone today, uh, encouraging me. Uh, and, and he greets me every Sunday of course, now it's a little bit different because we don't, we're not meeting uh, uh, as a church on Sunday morning, per se, and we're meeting as a church, but scattered over Corpus Christi. We're not meeting as a church in, in one building. Uh, but when we did, and for years, he would greet me in the morning, hupomone. That is the Greek word here for patience, hupomone. And of course, we heard, and uh, he's just so precious to me. And, and so I want to explain a little bit what the word hupomone, can you say it? Hupomone, hupomone. I want to explain to you a little bit what hupomone means so that you have a better idea of the word here, patience. Another translation says perseverance. That is also a good word, but it doesn't give the whole picture of what patience, what hupomone means. So hupomone uh, means, uh, and I'm going to try to explain it a little bit best I can. Hupomone means the idea, the gift that God gives you to know that everything is okay in his economy, even though things don't look okay at all. Things might look terrible. You just lost your job. Uh, you just lost your business. Whatever the situation might be, um, things might look terrible, but in God's economy, he wants you to know by this word here, hupomone, that everything is okay. You are a child of him, you belong to him, and he will work all things for the good to those who love him and to those who are the called according to his purpose. You see that? Uh, so the hupomone over here uh, gives you the perseverance, the patience, both in your mind and in your heart that things are okay. I don't have to worry. Two weeks ago, we talked about worry. I don't have to worry. That doesn't mean I cannot plan. I cannot be concerned. I cannot, um, you know, um, make, make come up with some ideas. I cannot think about it. No, you can. And you can be concerned. And you can plan. Just don't think that your plan should be in cement. Because God may have better plans. Somebody told me one time, <laughs> you, want, you want to make God laugh? Tell them about your plans. So 
You can plan, but always be open for God to change your plans because his plans are bigger and better than ours. So sometimes we're planning, thinking that we have a word from God. And maybe we do, but maybe we haven't received a complete idea from God yet. So let's be, remain open if he wants to add to it or if he wants to just cancel, cancel my idea. Uh, even though I thought it was, it was from God. That happens so often. It happens very, very, very often. Um, so be open. So, but even though things look bad, you know in your mind and in your heart that things are okay. So then in your mind, because you know who God is, you know you, who, how you relate to Him, you are His son or His daughter, you are part of His family, he is going to take care of you. So with your mind, you can reason that out. That things are, are okay and they're going to be okay. But then the hard thing is the idea of an attitude. All right. So um, let us just say uh, <laughs> your wife has a little PMS today. Okay. Things are not going so well. All right. Then... Hupomone says, oh, she, she, she's not feeling so good today, uh, but things are okay. And my attitude is going to be one of Hupomone, things are good. I'm going to do my part in this to make her see that I'm good. It doesn't matter. Because, you know, ultimately, um, that PMS thing is, <laughs> is a funny thing, you know. If 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 um, if uh, your wife has a little bit of that and there's a knock on the door and her, her best friend shows up, all of a sudden P that PMS thing is gone. Hey, how are you doing, man? Long time no see. So um, yes, but nevertheless. Uh, so if we find ourselves in a situation that we think uh, is not that good, but our mind can reason about reasonable things. That we can think that things are okay because of God. And that in our heart we'll have a good attitude. I give you an example. My dear, our dear associate pastor. I don't like the word, the name associate pastor, all that word. We, I wish that we could just say co-pastor or whatever. Uh, associate pastor. But anyways, that's the, the, the name that we have right now. We, maybe we'll change it. He went out to dinner with his wife. This is a couple of years ago or so. And they're eating, and they're finding that the service is not that good. But they are kingdom people. They have hupomone. And all, although the service was not that good, they were enjoying themselves and not holding it against the waiters. And so they were fine. And the, the manager comes by and he's, oh, how are you doing? Welcome. And uh, uh, is everything okay? Was the, was the service good? And they say, well... To tell you the truth, the, the service wasn't all that good. They were not complaining, they, but they didn't want to lie. They wanted to be truthful to, to, the, to the manager without making a scene. Actually, which making no scene, but even blessing on top. That, that is what the word hupomone means over here. It is putting up with the situation and then giving a blessing on top. So it is not a passive thing. It is an active thing. So. Uh, the, come back to the conversation with the manager. And, uh, and then uh, uh, Peter and Edna said to the manager, but we are going to give her a fat tip. 
because we don't know what's going on. But we are kingdom people and we want to bless it because of Jesus. And of, and of that, that portion. In a little while, the waitress comes by and stops at Peter and Edna's just before they, before they walk out and says, and it's crying and says, this has never happened to me in my life. Always when I have a bad day, I said, you know, the, the customers make me pay for it. And that is fine in the world. But as Christian folks that have hupomone, ah, uh ah, -uh, no sorry. Add to your self-control hupomone so that you can be an example in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, if they go back next week and they see the same waitress, they will have an audience with her and we're able with credibility to be able to talk to her about Jesus Christ. Not like so many of us that when we go into a restaurant, we barely have credibility and in so many places. This is what God is talking about, that you might have an overflow of his kind of life in our life so that that godliness that we're now next going to talk about, that godliness shows up so that we are credible in what we're talking about, Jesus Christ. It has already shown up. Um, so for the sake of time, let me go a, li a little bit quicker about the godliness thing. It is really uh, simple uh, what godliness means. It, it simply means that the characteristics of God show up in your life. That the characteristics of God show up in your life. Godliness. So, add to your patience, godliness. Godliness. What are the things of God? Oh, a, a, a ton. I'll just give you a few, just, just so we get on the same page. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, kindness, grace, forgiveness, mercy, you name it. These, these things, they must show up if you are going to add to your patience, godliness godliness the characteristics of God show up in your life sixthly sixthly add to godliness brotherly kindness real quick brotherly kindness you yeah, have heard this probably many times uh, comes from a Greek word Philadelphia Philadelphia that is made up of two words phileo which means sort of like affectionate brotherly family kind of love and uh, the word Adolphus, Adolphus, which means a brother. So brotherly love put together. Brotherly love is, is, plays a huge role in the relationship among Christian folks and others. Uh, in the church, we are a family. So it stands to reason that there should also be family love. No, 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 no. Yes, we need to love each other with agape love, which is the next step. But we're talking about brotherly love right now. So there is a brotherly love sort of a thing among the brothers and the sisters in the church because they are family, a family type of love. We look at each other as family and we treat each other like that. We're family. We're family. I grew up in a family. We're six kids and, and, and my mother and father. And we were family. Don't mess with my family. You get yourself in trouble. Uh, don't mess with my biological sisters. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. I would say, don't mess with my spiritual sisters. I'm very protective of them as well. 
because we are family. We are family. I treat them like family. And I talk to them like family. I don't talk to them like they are some, whatever the situation might be that they are. They, no, no. Jesus gave his blood for them on the cross. And I cannot talk to them in any way that I, that I desire to, that I want to. I must talk to them like family. Because it is because of Jesus' blood that I get to call her my sister. And I call him my brother. You follow what I'm saying? Brotherly love. And then he says, add to brotherly love, uh, or brotherly kindness was another way of expressing it. Love. Add to brotherly kindness, love. Then this is the agape love that we're talking about over here. Now you have come. It, like I said, you don't, it is not like add this to this, to this, to this, to this. This is all sort of mixed together a little bit. But now it is like being... Um, I, I struggled a little bit with a, a, a good um, example, a good analogy, but, but um, I'll try. It is like a basketball player, okay? Okay, he has the basic thing down. He is, you know, he, he, he knows how to dribble and he knows how to shoot a little bit. And then, then somebody says, add to your game. Okay, you know how to dribble. Now make a, a good pass. Okay, now I make a good pass. And somebody says, okay, now, then when you're dribbling, and then learn to drive to the basket, and then add to your, to your right-hand, your right-handed shot, also the left-handed shot, or the left-handed layup. So you have a little bit more variety. You become a better player. Uh, and then somebody says, well, when you're driving to the basket, don't just go to your right. Add a move also to the left, so that you can you fake him there, and you can move. And then, see, you're adding things too, so you become a better basketball player. Now, I don't know much about basketball, but I'm a, I've been a tennis player. Um, the same thing is true with tennis, and, and the same thing is true with life. As Peter is telling us over here to add to our faith uh, virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge uh, self-control, and to self-control patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness broadly kindness, and to broadly kindness agape love. Now you have... Now you are a mature basketball player. Now you have reached a, a, a point of maturity. Remember, the Christian walk is not a destination. It is a journey. So even though you have come to a form of maturity, you haven't arrived uh, 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 into the, the destination. The destination is ultimately heaven. So, but here on earth, it is all about journey and improving and increasing and abounding and increasing measure so um, so here we go uh, for the sake of time once again we can talk about love and I'm going to talk about love here soon in a longer uh, sermon about just the idea of love agape love but just uh, uh, let me just try a definition as I was studying and I was just making notes I thought that this might be a decent definition. Then I want to talk about the different details of the definition. So let me try my definition. Agape love is the God kind of love that the Holy Spirit develops in the heart of the believer. And it is characterized by sacrifice and, and the idea of no conditions. It is enduring. It is joyful. It, is, it flourishes especially when challenged, and it always looks to do what is to the welfare and well-being 
of the person that you say that you love. So let me expound just a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> we're talking about a God kind of love, and we know the God kind of love that is selfless. Uh, he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, so God's love. We have an idea of what it is. That is the kind of love that he wants to develop in our hearts so that we can love one another with that kind of love as he's asking us to add that kind of love to our brotherly kind of love. Uh, it is obviously produced by the Holy Spirit. We could in no wise could we ever come close to developing and producing this kind of love. It is produced by the Holy Spirit. In the heart of the believer, you if you are not a believer, you are not privy to the fruit of the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit before you can have His fruit. So if you're not a believer, I want to encourage you, even right now, to consider receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So that when, when you do that, then you are born again and the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And He becomes your guide, your instructor, your lead. He even wants to glorify Jesus in your life if you let him. He wants to do, uh, and he wants to give you his fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so forth. And the other characteristics of this kind of love is that it is sacrificial. You bring sacrifice. This is so hard for us. <laughs> it sounds good, Kenny, to be sacrificial. It sounds good to bring sacrifice. But how many times do I have to do that? In my relationship to my wife? In my relationship to my kids? In my relationship to my brother or my sister? How many times do I have to do that? Sacrifice. <laughs> no. It is sacrificial. That is to say, this is the attitude that he wants you to have in your heart. That when it comes up, that is who you are. You just sacrifice. <laughs> yes. It is not about... about <laughs> How often do I have to do this? Because one of the next few words is, is joyful. We, we, we'll get to that in just a second. And there's no conditions involved. So it is not like, well, she was not nice to me. Oh, that's a condition. <laughs> well, he, he, this is the third time. That's a condition. No, there's no conditions involved in this. There's no hooks uh, for you to love the other person. Matter of fact, the thing that I say over here, it is enduring. It is enduring. It goes on and on and on. And it is endearing. It goes on and on and on. It is not what happens between two crises. Oh, we love one another till the next crisis. No, it is enduring. You love that person from now on. Okay, enduring. And it is joyful. Uh, that is a hard one. Uh, uh, let me combine that a little bit with the next one where it says it flourishes especially when challenged it flourishes especially when challenged okay, okay, okay let, 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 let me just give let me just give you an example um, I, I'm, I'm a tennis player right and uh, and I know I have studied my my opponent I have seen some film I've seen some of his matches he just maybe doesn't know who I am, but, but I've, I've checked him out. And I know that he sometimes, he puts a little head fake in there when, when he hits the ball. But I already got his number. I already know that. So when I see the head fake coming, I, in myself, I'm smiling. I got you. 
<laughs> yeah, I was anticipating it. Or you know that this guy in basketball, he fakes to the right, but then he always goes to the left. Okay, no, no, no. Hey, when he fakes to the right, I'm laughing at you because you're gonna go to your left and I'm gonna be there. <laughs> you see, so <clears throat> when, when I'm talking about that love flourishes, especially when it's challenged and it is joyful, it is that when the enemy is throwing one of those fakes to you, or the enemy is throwing you a little bit of trash talk, that you're ready and you're just smiling. You're joyful because <clears throat> you are not gonna bite for it, and you're over, gonna overcome it with the agape kind of love. It flourishes, especially when challenged. And it always looks to that which is good for the one good to the well-being and, and welfare of the one that I claim that I love. I'm always looking. I'm always looking for what is good, what is to the welfare and well-being of this person. What is to the well-being and welfare of my wife? What's to the well-being and welfare of my sons and daughter? What's the well to the well-being and welfare of my grandchildren? What's to the well-being and welfare of my brother? What's good to the well-being and welfare of my sister? Love, agape love. Agape love. So then, we're now, the agape love is sort of like a climax, but I, I want to give you another climax. I want to give you a de-climax of that whole passage thing. And the climax of it, this is that it says that in verse 8, and this is going to be our last verse, for if these things are yours, the King James, the old King, older King James says, if these things be in you, um, the word yours, the new, new King James translates it in this scenario a little bit better because the word be in you has also the idea of possession. So when the New King James says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here you have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ again. It is, it is huge, it is very important. But let's go for, for if these things are yours, these things are yours, God has made them available. But do you possess them? Such that you can live them? Or do you just possess them only because the Bible says that you possess them? Do you possess them in such a way that you can actually walk in them? Because he says, if you have these things, since you have these things, and they abound, if they abound and they are ever increasing, if you keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and they are abounding, he says, then you will be neither barren, that is idle, or unfruitful in the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. That is to say that you will be fruitful in the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. The word fruitful over there means all kinds of fruit. Fruitful in every way in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will bring forth fruit. But I want to go back to the word abound over here. The NIV, I want to say, says that... Uh, that if, if it is in you in increasing measure, abound. The word abound here, once again, abounding means improving, increasing, increasing measure. It speaks there clearly, again, about a journey. A journey. So, but the word abound have, has the idea of 
an overflow. That the life that you get because of, of the fact that you have added these things to your faith, ultimately that ends up, not ends up, but in, in this list ends up with the agape love, which is a real sign of maturity and growth. He says, your life will be overflowing. It will be abounding, abounding. It is like, it is like a, um, an artesian well. You know, an artesian well is a well that flows without a pump. It is a natural pump. The, the, the earth is making a natural pump, causing the water to flow and then coming out and it just flows and flows and flows and flows. But this artesian well is not where the source is under, underground. This artesian well has a source above the flow. It comes from above and causes a stronger and bigger flow because of the gravity and, and no pump required and it is forever and ever. This is how I see this abounding. This an artesian well that comes from God himself. No pump required because he is the pump and makes it flow through your life in an overflowing way so that you can provide water for everybody that you encounter. Sort of like what Jesus says, uh, the, that those who believe in me, as the scriptures have said, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. That your life might be an overflowing life. The Zoe that I talked about in verse 3, the, uh, uh, has given us all that pertains, all things that pertain to life and godliness. The life over there, Zoe, the God kind of life. That life, God wants to, uh, in an overflow in our life to flow over to other people that they might have that life and that they might get their cup filled with the heavenly water, the rivers of living water that are flowing out of your belly. So, add these things to your faith and live the life of overflow. May I invite you that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never given your life to him, and so therefore you don't know the forgiveness of your sin, he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. I was raised from the dead to show that, uh, to give us the assurance that when we die, we also shall be raised from the dead. But that's not only. When we talked on Resurrection Day, we talked about the power of the resurrection. Not only in that when you die, that you shall be raised from the dead. But that he has given us the power of the resurrection for us to live a victorious life here on earth. My friend, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, let me invite you to come to Jesus who will give you direction and meaning in life. Uh, I, I used to, I used to have, have direction like this. Uh, I saw a, a bumper sticker one time. Uh, I'm lost, but I'm making good time. That was me. I was going a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> Where? I was lost. But God will give me direction and he has. 
and this is I was saved when I was about 25 years old I'm now 72 years old so you figure out how many years that is uh, 25 to 75 is 50 years minus 3 so it's 47 years I've been a Christian for 47 years I have not regretted it once not for one moment I have rejoiced in it that I become a Christian because life is full of victory okay <laughs> inherent in the word victory yes stay with me now inherent in the word victory is that there is a battle otherwise <laughs> what is the victory <laughs> okay so yes there is battles and there's difficulty but God has a victory for us and not only a victory over difficulty but also a victory over temptation also a victory over our fleshly desires victory wouldn't you want to have a life of victory let me invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ 